All right. Welcome, everyone, to the very first Hamwig podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ham. And I'm your other host, Wig. And together, we are two married learning professionals, one in the corporate world. And one in academia. And this podcast is really not about that at all. No, we're not going to talk about anything about work. No, we really, really don't want to talk about that, even though a lot of our background will come through in that worthless knowledge that we love to talk about. Yeah. But instead, (laughs) we're going to talk about... um, Getting to know our friends better and kind of learning about their expertise. Absolutely. I think, you know, me and you are from a generation where our subject matter experts, you know, SMEs that we call them today, were our friends, our family members, and people we just loved. And I know I'm a Madonna SME. You want to know anything about Madonna, give me a call. And I miss my friends calling me, asking me about that. Yeah, and now everything's on the internet, so I feel like we don't get to learn about people's expertise as much as we used to. Absolutely So our kind of podcast is going to focus on getting to know our friends better and all about their expertise and what they enjoy. Absolutely. I love that idea because it's something that we really miss. And we thought we would take really the idea of that old late, late talk show. Do you remember that from the 80s and 90s? Yeah. Like David Letterman and even Johnny Carson and all those really great shows because they got to talk a little bit. Who was that guy that was on Super Late? Super Late, like Arsenio Hall? No, no, no. I think it was older. Tom Snyder? Yeah, we were never allowed to watch it. Never it was watched. like really late. And he smoked a lot. Yeah. So it was always <laughs> funny to watch that. But what those shows really did was talk talk about current things and things that they're passionate about and have a guest. And so what we're really going to be doing today is having that kind of talk show feel where we talk about a few things that we're obsessed about, but also really bring on what we like to call friends of the hamwag. (laughs) (laughs) And so our first guest uh, on our first podcast is going to be a great friend of ours, a newer friend over the last four or five years, uh, Jared. And I can't wait to see how uh, he's going to show up today and what we're going to talk about. Yeah, it should be fun. Awesome. But before we jump into Jared, I just wanted to little bit give a little bit more about the show. Not only are we going to be talking about topics and events and what we like to call our warehouse of useless knowledge, but we're also going to play games and do silly stuff. So I can't wait to jump into today's game, which will really be about like one of my favorite games. We'll talk about that when we get there. But Ham, before we get started, what's one of the things that you're obsessed about right now? What's going on? Hmm. Well, I've been reading Tom Robbins recently, so I just started one of his later books called Tibetan Peach Pie, and I've just been kind of rediscovering how much I love his writing, and it's making me want to go back and read all of his books again. Tom Robbins. Now, remind me, who? what's one of his bigger books that we've read? Mm, I would say probably the most popular one would be Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, which I think was even one of his first ones, if not the first one. And it's then one it of got my made into a movie later. And so I think that's the oh, one with Uma Thurman that people are most familiar with. Right. That was a great movie back in the day. Yeah. But he also wrote like Jitterbug Perfume and great Skinny book. Legs and All. Absolutely. Um, half asleep in frog pajamas. So he has a lot of books and he's actually getting up there now. So I didn't realize how old he was. Wow. Yeah. He was born in the thirties. And so weird. he's still around, but he hasn't written a book in a while. Yeah. And you were reading a biography of his as well, right? Was it a autobiography or a biography about him? It's, 
Tejada is the one where you write it yourself, right? That, that would yeah. be correct, yes. Yeah, that's the Tibetan <laughs> peach pie one. Ah, got it. Okay. So but it's been interesting learning about like his childhood and how he grew up in the South and when he moved to Seattle. And it's just been really interesting because he like knew Allen Ginsberg. And, wow, Allen Ginsberg. Yeah. And how long has he been gone now? He passed in the 90s, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel old all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember reading Jitterberg, Jitter, Jitterbug Perfume. There we go, using the right words. And just being blown away by how different that novel was than anything else I had read at that time. Yeah, and it's like all these, has all these moving pieces and then kind of came together at the end. Yeah. And then um, Still Life with Woodpecker, which was also one of my favorites. And that's actually I where I got... I read that one. That's where I got part of my vows from when we got married. So, oh, so those were vows. Mine were from a Stevie Nicks song. So there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh! Speaking of Stevie Nicks, one of the things that I've been obsessed with is watching reaction videos on YouTube. Oh yeah, you've been really into that. And if anyone who's listening are one to two listeners, if you don't know what a reaction video is, it is watching people listen to music for the very first time. And we've I've been obsessed with two or three people. But there's this one guy who is obsessed with Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. Never heard him forever. And every time he listens to a new song, his reaction is just blown away by the difference of the type of music that they bring. Because, you know, there's a journey that they do through their music. And I just... I, a journey of anger and love and anger. And betray and <laughs> love and romance, you know, and sex. But this time that they hate each other, this time they're back together. It's true. We're not going to go see their concerts anytime soon, unfortunately, because, um, you know, Stevie's gone. Or not Stevie, but Lindsay's gone. And, you know, it's not really Fleetwood Mac in my mind. Yeah. So give it a little sound effects there. So for our one to two uh, listeners, forgive us as we play with our sound effects. So first reaction videos on YouTube are really cool. We've been watching Madonna ones and just it's fascinating to see people enjoy things that you love very for the very first time. So or I've been like obsessed stuff with that. that. We listened to the first time when it came out and when we were growing up and now younger people are like getting to hear it for the first time and you're so like, Wow, crazy. this is actually really good and you're like, Yeah, there was a reason that we listened to it's it true, all that right. time ago. It's reason why thirty five years later you still hear that song somewhere. Or you've at least heard of the person that sang it, even if you don't know their music anymore. Like right. you're familiar with the artist. But we're getting to a point where, and I just saw this in the newest Super Bowl ad with um, Scarlett Johansson. They played Little Lies from Fleetwood Mac, which was weird to start seeing that music in advertisements because I remember when it came out. It's like how we're recognizing the music in the grocery store now. Yes. And it's like, oh, oh my God. man. And I swear to God, I, I had a long grocery store career during high school and college. And if I have to hear any more smooth 70s pop music, I might hurt myself. But now it's music that we remember. And it's we're true. like singing along while we're grocery shopping. It is true. It's so embarrassing. There's times where I'm like, stop talking in the grocery store because I'm enjoying this jam right now from 1994. <laughs> but yes, we will digress. But, uh, but yes, first reaction videos are amazing if you haven't checked them out. Now... One thing that we've been really obsessed about is wrestling. And both uh, Ham and I have been big WWE fans in the past. Uh, thank you to a great college friend and roommate, Dale, who got us hooked. Um, dang you, Dale. And, um, but right now, we've been really focused on our AEW uh, wrestling. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, that's all, all elite wrestling on TNT and TBS. 
And man, they have got some great pro wrestling happening right now. And if you're into athletics or a great storytelling, this is this is the place to be. So right now, Ham, who's your favorite wrestler you like to watch? Oh, that's so hard. There's so many good ones right now. Which is really difficult to say in WWE. But uh, right now, <laughs> it is a huge cornucopia of awesomeness in uh, AEW and wrestling, for sure. Yeah, there's just so many good matches going on. Like, even this time when we were watching with the they're the best friends right they are the best friends uh yeah them with the young bucks and that was just such a great match oh and there's just so many good characters but it's really you know they don't spend as much time talking and it just makes it such a fast-paced show yeah and especially the one that's just an hour the uh friday night rampage is only an hour man it was action-packed this friday yeah and there's usually um just at least one or two like just matches that are just really amazing and they're not always you know with people that you'd recognize even no absolutely not you know every one of the matches sometimes you're watching somebody you don't even know who they are but they really are still doing a great job of selling it and it's It's not you know there's not a ton of squash matches which is nice and there's so much new young talent that we'd never seen before. Darby Allen, for love of God, that guy is a small dude, but man, is a really great pro wrestler. Yeah. And like getting Sting back in the ring has been amazing. Oh, and CM Punk, come on. CM Punk just makes the house go crazy yeah. anytime and of he shows course, up. Of course, MJF. We all love to hate MJF. And he has just been so great on the mic. He is the best villain and heel on television today. I, there is no one who can hold a candle to him. <laughs> he plays all the right heel moves where he hides behind his henchmen, he cheats, he lies, he steals, and then he takes the glory and just makes it just insane and he not only is he good on the mic but he's also actually pretty good in the ring yeah yeah he's been really good in the ring too but he's still often cheating to win and it's just (laughs) hilarious to see because you also can think oh my gosh this guy could just win on his own but he He always is pulling out those heel moves so that he can just keep that energy rising oh my god yes and you know it's it's interesting because i think this program he has with CM Punk has legs. I think we'll see a couple rematches. Oh yeah, we should. I mean, I think it's just going to be awesome that now CM Punk can kind of call him out wherever, whenever, and that'll add like this kind of element of surprise too. for sure. Which is will be really really interesting to see it really will be and i just i really wish that kenny omega would come oh, back man. it would be awesome to see him come back and also i'm really interested to see what's going to happen with adam cole so he's just been a rising star wow. and i can't wait if he takes on page i that yeah. would be really awesome man that lights out match he had was just so good orange cassidy really brought it too and I've always been a big fan of Orange, but man, he really crushed it. Yeah. I meant that pun intendedly. <laughs> <That's awful. laughs> hey, you know, they're not all good puns, but you know, we have to throw them out there. <laughs> but wrestling has been just top notch uh, lately, but. The other thing we've been obsessed with is our favorite girlfriend, please, RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, my gosh. It's such a, like, guilty pleasure, (laughs) terrible television. Oh, I mean, it's fun, but it's also just 
bad. <laughs> it is a little bad, but I gosh darn it, I love it. And this season, there are some pretty darn awesome queens. Uh, and Jerry, uh, Angelic, no, not Angelica, Angeria. Angeria. I, oh my! Gosh. I think she's going to win. She's got. She's got she's the skill. Amazing. She does. That now that cornbread is gone. With uh, fans. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that was incredible. So good. I was. I mean, I think that they do pass the torch around to who's going to win. Based yeah, for on, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we don't want this person to just dominate the entire show. Right. right. But she was really, really but good. Lady Camden got screwed this last cycle. Yeah, this last episode. I thought so too. Because she absolutely. really was well put together, and I really thought she was going to win. And that full lip absolutely made a difference. I yeah. mean, you've been around as long as RuPaul. You know what you need to do with your different facial structures. So you absolutely listen. And yeah. Raven, who does RuPaul's makeup, is just, I mean, my God, there's no one who can beat Raven. Yeah. So that's awesome. And it's been pretty good this season. It has now that cornbread's like, gone. I know. I just am not as invested because she was amazing. For those of you who don't know, cornbread uh, had to leave the show because of an injury. Um, we don't want to give away too much in case you're a little bit behind the cycle. But it's it's a it's a sad day when we see a queen have to leave because of an injury. But we know they'll be back. Yeah, I mean, I look am, at Eureka. Sure She's been back how many times? Yeah, Eureka, Eureka. I'm sure she'll be back at some point, if not on another season, on like a like an all star or something. Or something, absolutely. Yeah. And Lady Camden just makes me feel like we need to have that international RuPaul's Drag Race. We need to see these queens from all the other places come back and compete, like Canada versus the U.S. versus Australia versus what other billion other ones that they have going on right now. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. The U.K. one's been pretty good, too. Yeah, it's been pretty good. The Australian one, it's all right. Um, Now, granted, we haven't watched any of the ones that don't have RuPaul as the host, because what's the point? Yeah, it just doesn't have the same energy. You need all those horrible catchphrases. (laughs) You do. And just that awesome overacting that she does. I just love it. Just between us, squirrel friends. Bring back my girls, you know? (laughs) So I just love it. So repetitive. It is very repetitive. crave it. But that's why it's comfort food. Yeah. That's why we love it so much. It's like the mac and cheese of TV. (laughs) It really is. And I got to tell you, I've, you know, been obsessed with another British show. And if uh, for our listeners out there, we love foreign television. We we have our Brit box and our Acorn TV, which Acorn is New Zealand and Australian. So we get a lot of awesome shows that way. But right now there is a Father Brown spinoff. And for those of you who don't know who Father Brown is, he's a priest who solves crimes in the 1950s England. And uh, he has a new spinoff show called Sister Boniface. I'm going to totally Boniface? butcher that. Boniface? Boniface? Yeah, we'll Boniface. call her Sister B for now. Um, <laughs> but she is a forensic scientist who became a nun. And she worked for MI5 during the war, World War II, I'm assuming. And now she's a sister at St. Agnes, one of the one of those made up churches in England. Uh, so, but it's been interesting. We're two episodes in, and I just want more. Yeah, I agree. It's been really good so far, and Father Brown is kind of not falling off the radar. Season some. nine it's is just pretty. Not the writing is yeah. there, and they kind of have gotten rid of some characters. They and don't so, seem like they want to be there, and I don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, it's gotten <laughs> kind of weird. So this new show has just been really good, and. I just can't wait to see what's going to happen. I know. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. It's and really like formulaic television to some degree. And yeah. it's not like, 
I don't feel that there's some big overarching story, but that's yeah. kind of what we like. We like the episodic TV. It's true. Yeah. That's and episodic, right? That would be episodic. Absolutely. Yeah. Just television that you can watch, sit down, don't have to have the full back history of the characters to no. enjoy the television We're series. definitely not serious TV watchers. Like, no. we don't like serious shows very often. That, you know, life's too hard as it is. <laughs> Why jump into a show where I'm, I'm dealing with other people's anxiety and stress? Yeah, we have enough of that as of it made is. Made up characters. Of and made then up you're characters. Like, I feel all this pain for these made up characters. <laughs> exactly, and that's not it's great. Like, no, I just want to relax and escape to some place and that's maybe right. solve some crime. I like solving some crime. The bad guys get put away. The good guys are happy, and then we know next week they'll have another adventure, which is kind of yeah. nice. There's yeah. always some good wrap up, which is good. You know, we've been talking a lot about the 80s talk show, but boy, we really love those 80s dramas too, like Magnum P.I. and Heart to Heart and all those shows that are episodic that way. And they really are not very serious. Like, even their special episodes can be, but right. everything else like Emmy usually winning isn't. episodes are serious, right. but there's Absolutely. a lot of fluff in there too, which is kind of fun. Absolutely. But anything else you've been obsessing about here lately? think so i've been thinking about spider-man and his amazing friends oh, lately oh yes your big theory <laughs> on the spider-man it is true and for for those of our generation this was a cartoon in the early 1980s and it was one of marvel's first attempts to well first or second attempts to get spider-man to be very popular in the co- in the cartoon world grown grown <laughs> and so they've decided to add characters to spider-man to 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 open up the demographic bringing girls too so there was firestar women women well <laughs> yes women uh but really young ladies uh, as well as with boys but anyway um they had firestar and then they had iceman brought over from the x-men world and i'm pretty sure uh ham that they were the first tv thruple <laughs> And a throuple is three people in one relationship, right? I'm pretty sure Bobby and Peter were sleeping together. And I'm all pretty sure Angelica was sleeping with both of them. So it really seems like it. I mean, it really they're does. very, very close. They all live together, right? They all live together with Aunt May watching over them. But, you know, I mean, she didn't even know that there was a hole in the floor that they were escaping out of to be superheroes. So right? you could pass yeah. anything over her, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But if you think about it, they all seem to be emotionally involved with each other, romantically involved. But, you know, there was something going on there for sure. Well, and I felt like there was some tension sometimes between all three of them, too. It is they true. They didn't always get along all the time. They didn't always get along and some jealousy for sure. Yeah. So I think that it's one of those things that we have to be very careful about when we talk about the first throuple, but I think it, it's them. <laughs> I think we can call Bobby, Angelica, and Peter the first throuple of television. <laughs> Oh, our childhood. I know, indeed. A lot of people think it was Three's Company, but I don't I don't think so. I think it was Spidey and the Amazing Friends. And if you remember, their catchphrase was, Spidey friends, go for it. And so I think they meant go for it in many different ways. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go ahead and start playing our first game of the Hamwig podcast. Yeah, who's going to go first? I don't know, but let's go ahead and turn on our game show music. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. And so I think one of my favorite games I love to play, because, you know, I'm a TV nut, is our 
randomly pick a city and you have to name two TV series oh, it, that no. are set in that hard. city. It's so hard. But whoever gets to win or whoever wins our, our first game will be able to ask our first guest, Jared, the first question of our podcast. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. So let me go ahead and get the random generator set up. Oh, 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 oh. And the first city is Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, no. So we'll go ahead and we'll start with you, Ham. Can you name two shows from Indianapolis, Indiana? Oh, my goodness. Dun, dun, dun. We should have some music here. What other music could we have? I don't know. <laughs> we'll come up with something later. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what to put in here. Future episodes will feature music at this thinking point. <laughs> Indeed, yes, there should be some the thinking. The only thing I can think of for Indiana is Parks and Rec, but I know that that's Pawnee. It's not even Indianapolis because they have a big episode where they like travel to Indianapolis to meet with the government or something. It's true, but I'm going to go ahead and give you Parks and Rec because Pawnee's a made-up city and it's close to Indianapolis, like I an mean, hour they away. they were able to drive there, so... I agree. So we'll give you that one. Can you think of a second oh, one? Man. Dun, 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 dun. This is where the Jeopardy music should be. I'm just going to make it up. What could it be? I can't think of any other ones. Oh, well, one of my favorite is the 1970s One Day at a Time. Oh, man. That was set in Indianapolis. And I'm, cl- I grew up close to Indianapolis. And I remember watching that show thinking, oh, my God, I recognize some of the scenery uh, that they shot on the intros because they shot a lot outside of Indianapolis and some of their more bridges and city streets. So stuff that you recognize. Indeed. It really brought me in. You were able to go there. Absolutely. So Mm, now mm, do I get to pick a city? You do. Well, well, we'll have the random generator pick the next city. So are you ready to random generate? Oh, that next city is going to be Portland, Oregon. That one's for you. That one is going to be for me. And that one's really tough because there's Portlandia. So I'm just going to check that box because that's (gasps) easy, right? That's so easy. You got an easy one. (laughs) I really did have an easy one. Now, there's a lot more harder ones to think about here. And uh, there's been some newer ones in the last few world or last few years. Um, Hmm. Let me think. Boy, there really needs some thinking music here. Um, Man, I can't believe it. I think, oh my gosh, my brain is uh, really going. Um, All right, you have uh, to look it up. I have to look it up now. Oh gosh. Okay. Oh, there is a handful of cities here. Hellstorm. Oh, that's the newest one. Yes, and that's a Hulu series that is uh, based on a DC character. I should have known that one. Yeah, you should have known Darn that it. One. All right, well, we both failed goose eggs. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and randomly generate another one. All right, the next one up is Chicago. Well, hopefully we should know that one. We're a little bit closer to Chicago. All right, Ham, you're up. Oh, man. There's a whole bunch of Chicago shows right now. And you're not watching any of them, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to first go with Chicago Hope. Yes. Excellent. That Has it in the in name. Chicago, yes. even though I have not watched it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is absolutely. Oh, man. I'm going to help you out here. It's one of our favorite shows that has a name of a Canadian uh, premier or uh, prime minister in it. Oh, no. Oh, no. That Even your clue couldn't get you there. Had a dog? 
Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, what is it called? Oh, it's due south. Yes, yes, yes. due south. So we'll give you that one. Yay. Congratulations. I don't even think that I knew that that was based in Chicago. I didn't even think about it. Yes, it's Chicago. Good okay. job. Because it's a Canadian TV show. And I remember like he was a Mountie that was in the U.S. But I Absolutely. did not remember that it was in Chicago. Wow, that was our comfort food television watching when we lived in Canada, right? It is we true, watched yeah. a lot of due south. We did. But if you look at how many shows are in Chicago, there's literally thousands based in Chicago. Oh <laughs> so we should be ashamed of ourselves. Uh, but the easiest one is there's a whole Chicago franchise. Chicago Fire, Med, PD. We could have named oh, all those, right. right? That would have been easy. Family Matters. You should have remembered Family Matters. Did I do that? Yeah, Steve Harvey show. So many great ones there. Oh, Uncle Buck. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. And they turned that into a TV series. Oh. With Kevin Neal? No, I can't remember who that actor was, but it wasn't as good as John Candy, but still decent. All right. Well, now that we've got the winner of the game, because that was a poor, poor showing for both of us. <laughs> that was embarrassing on it, my part. It really was embarrassing. <laughs> and so we're going to call Ham the winner there. And so she'll be able to ask Yay! our first uh, guest of the Hamwag uh, podcast our first question. So are you ready to bring our first guest on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's go ahead and bring Jared on the line. All right. Welcome, Jared, to our very first episode of the Hamwag podcast. And you are our first friends of the Hamwag to join us. So welcome. And how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you both today. Yes, we are so excited to have you here. And as you know, we've been just starting our first podcast, really talking to our friends, getting to know everyone a little bit better because we miss that that opportunity to connect with our friends and be subject matter experts. So we're so excited for you to be with us here today. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally feel that I, I have that same sort of connection with a lot of my friends too. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So right before you joined us, Ham and I played a awesomely bad game of um, name that city and two shows that are in Epic there. Epic failure. Epic failure. <laughs> but uh, I still won. But you did. Ham did win. So with that win, she actually gets to ask you the first question. So I'm going to pass it over to Ham. Yes. Um, so in our little intro piece, we were talking a bit about authors and books that we're enjoying right now. And I've been just grooving on Tom Robbins lately. Is there anything that you've been reading lately or authors you've been enjoying? That that's a fantastic question. And I will be the first to tell you, um, that I'm not the best reader around. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, I, um, I, but I will say, I actually have two in mind. Uh, one, I just honestly will open probably throughout the, like the last 10 years just to keep me entertained. And it's the Friars Club Bible. The Friars Club about Bible? Before. I have not. Tell us a little bit about that one. So it's a bit of an older book. And I could be totally wrong here, but I think they've made more iterations of it. But it's it's basically like a book full of different like jokes and roasts and uh, like different toasts that they have there from all these different like comedians i would say probably all the way back from like oh gosh 1950 oh my gosh Um, so this is oh my i love those roasts they used to have them on like the d martin show and stuff back in the day they were really funny oh yeah 
Oh yeah, one of the first ones I actually watched, my uh, grandpa showed me, and it was uh, Richard Pryor. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, my Lord. <laughs> and I, was I was like, wow, funny. this it was, oh, my gosh. I was gut laughing the entire time. <laughs> and But the thing that I think now is, like, if you compare, like, modern-day roast to back then, you could genuinely see that it was Richard Pryor and his friends, right? Yeah, yeah, Where yeah totally. I feel like nowadays it's kind of like, we'll have a couple of your buddies, but then like, who's really big right now? Let's put that person on the stage. And you can just kind of tell there's no like, you know, friendship connection between the two. Right. And sometimes it's like a huge animosity, right? You can tell the people actually right. hate each other. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think it was like uh, the roast of Charlie Sheen or something. And Mike Tyson was there. And I was like, I mean, maybe in some reality they're friends, but... But how I would assume even, not. Like, yeah. How yeah. do they even connect to each other? It's very yeah, And if they did, please tell me that story because I'm <laughs> right. sure it's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you say that because we were just talking about RuPaul earlier today and how she is friends with um, Kurt Cobain. And there's a picture oh, wow. of, of RuPaul holding Francis Bean as a baby. And, and we're like, what universe did this happen in? Like, where where yeah. did that happen? Because that's just weird. Like, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, uh, now that she is dating Tony Hawk's son, which is just like a 90s, crazy oh my god yeah that's just so weird what are their kids gonna be (laughs) be yeah that's insane yeah that's so crazy to think about oh man it's weird for me to even think that tony hawk is old enough to have a son dating somebody that makes me feel really (laughs) yeah that really puts things in perspective i love that he gets recognized places and pretends that it's not really himself oh i love that that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) he's a funny guy you know i love that you love the friars club i know that you love humor and i always think of the the rat pack when i think of the friars club and like you you nailed it like dean and frank and and sammy were all friends and you could tell it was natural ribbing but also a little few sharp barbs there once in a while so you gotta love that yeah well and two in this book you have a lot of the uh like big SNL stars. Um, but like in the setting that it's in, they're not quite at that stardom yet. So you have like John Belusi, Chevy Chase, oh, wow. uh, like all those people. Steve Martin's in here a little bit, but uh, oh, that was the other Martin. book too, uh, was Born Standing Up. I don't know if you guys read that one. Born it's, uh, Standing it's Up. Uh-uh. Oh, I know you're a big Steve Martin fan. Is this like a biography oh, yeah. of his or just something that he writes? No, it's a biography. Yeah. So it kind of, and it's been a minute since I picked it up, but yeah, he kind of just gives a synopsis of his crazy adventures, where he got to, and just kind of walks you through like his base, his life essentially. And it's really fascinating. Was he ever really a cast member on SNL or he's just an awesome guest? He was a writer. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like he wrote a lot of the early seventies or I guess mid seventies episodes. Right. Well, he, he reminds me a lot of kind of the situation that John Melanian was in for a while where he auditioned for SNL. They said, hey, you're funny, but we don't want to put you in front of a camera. <laughs> and so and they decided was, to have him write. Who was this actor again? Uh, that was John Mulaney. John oh, Mulaney. Right. Oh, he yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, really and funny. I love him as yeah. a deadpan actor, too. Just so funny. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. my God. And he, oh, his bits were like uh, Stefan that he wrote for <laughs> Bill Hader. So good. Oh, so yeah. good. Oh my God. Bill Hader. Come on. Stefan. What a great character. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my gosh. 
you know, we, uh, SNL hasn't been stellar. You know, it has its ups and downs, but man, there are some characters that just pop out of that series that are so good. And like, I felt yeah, like Eddie Murphy totally carried it for oh a while my God. too. He was amazing when he was on. See, yes, that is exactly how I feel. I feel like you have these just dominant characters and then the rest of the cast just kind of amplifies. For sure. But then you have some years where there isn't really necessarily like a shining star. And I feel like that's harder from a writing perspective. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, was it, everybody was fired, but Eddie Murphy between seasons. I feel like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Elaine from, um, Julie Louis Dreyfus, I think she was one of those castmates that got called in that season. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, did you both see the time that, uh, a couple of years ago, I think where Adam Sandler came back to host and his opening monologue is he uh, sung a song called I Got Fired? <laughs> no, I don't think we saw that one. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it's so, they have different cameos. Like Chris Rock comes out and he's like, I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> it was so pretty fun. hilarious. <laughs> I sp- uh, Chris Rock, come on. Talk about it. And a phenomenal uh, comic genius coming out of that series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Funny. Yeah, so funny. And we watched, like, I flipped over for a while and started watching Mad TV when mm, I felt like absolutely. SNL was just not as good for a bit. And then we just loved those characters. Absolutely. And I really got into In Living Color with uh, oh, the yeah. Wayans and uh, early Jim Carrey, Fire Marsha Bill. crazy Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, gr- growing up for me, that was, that was one of my dad's favorite shows. And... I, I I've lost track of how many times he would quote Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we oh are so old. <laughs> we are, but Fire Marshal Bill should be quoted multiple times. Absolutely. <laughs> well, finally, I'm like maybe 12 years old. I'm like, what are you doing? What What is it? Why are you putting your tucking your lip in? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So going back to the book uh, uh, with Steve Martin, you said it's more just about some shenanigans that he's been writing about his life. Yeah, well, so it's it's his kind of whole life in the synopsis. And he, he talks about all the different elements of how he really just kind of kept coming back to comedy. And, and I'm going to yeah. quote this probably wrong, but I think he used to work. It was like in a theme park or in a magic store or something like that. And he ended up selling all of these things comedically right like he wasn't really doing it for the purpose of it it was just like i'm actually gonna make this funny and then they'll probably end up buying it i think all of us have been huge fans of steve martin in our in our past so what's one of your favorite movies he's ever been in oh my gosh that's a great question i just saw it recently and the name is escaping me it's uh it's an older movie that he's in with if he played the butler in Batman, Michael Caine. Oh, dirty, rotten scoundrel. Yes! I was totally yes. going to say that one too. Yes, great yes. movie. Oh my so God. I actually watched it for the first time about six months ago. Oh my God, and that's a great movie. I, yeah, I, it was one of the, I was just sitting in front of the screen and not once did I like look at my phone to see what time it is. I was just there for the whole, and then the plot twist at the end, I was like, this is amazing. It's such a good movie. And so, Ham, you were going to pick Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yes, as well? Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely, I think my favorite movie with him is so awesome. Oh my God, it's so good. Now, I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to go with All of Me, and that's with Lily Tomlin, and where she gets <laughs> reincarnated into half 
of Steve Martin's body. Yes. Just, oh, just okay. half. And so Lily controls one half of his body and he controls the other. And so you could just imagine the physical comedy that he is doing, trying to emulate <laughs> right. a woman controlling one side of his body and him controlling the other. It is literally hilarious. And it's a heartwarming story about love and reincarnation and just humor, just humor. If you love Lily Tomlin and Steve Martin, it's so well worth watching. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. I, I have not seen that one. But yeah, his physical humor is probably only matched to that is, I would say, Jim Carrey, probably. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so much. Like, I'd even go back even further to, like, Dick Van Dyke. Just that physical, like, humor. Falling like, down and just, yeah. You could walk in a room and I would laugh just seeing what he was doing. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Yeah. So, is this, a like, The Friars Club, is this a book that's something you go back and read to a lot? Or is this something you just found? Oh, yeah. No, I, I come back to it very, very often. Me, uh, me and one of my closest friends are just huge, huge fans of comedy. And usually if there's any like major ripple in the comedic universe, like uh, Norm MacDonald's passing was a big one for us because yes, we bugged him on FNL and, and all of his movies with Sandler and all that stuff. But yeah. anytime things like that happen, is we always say we have to go back to the Bible and just like <laughs> refresh back up. Uh, <laughs> But it's always fun to pick it back up and just reread it because it's, I mean, there's just so many, there's so much complexity to the jokes that they've written. It's, it's so much fun. It is. And it's just sad that Norm is gone and just that dry, funny humor. His weekend update was just amazing. So good. Oh, yes. That was my favorite too. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And I don't know if you've saw his Netflix show where he interviewed people, but it is weird and bizarre and so norm. <laughs> yes. Like he yes. pretends that there's commercials when there's no commercials. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to go to, and Drew Barrymore was like completely lost in this. You could tell she's like, what is happening? So I just, yeah. Uh, oh, hilarious. Oh my yeah, God. I just, for me, when it comes to norm, it's exactly what he said. It's the way that he explains jokes. But I think, like peak and I, I there's like i'm sure compilations on youtube but it was whenever he was a guest on like a late night talk show that was like just he was so funny and i remember one time he was uh i think it was conan and they were him and another guest were on and they were talking about i think world war ii and just getting into like details because i think that's what the movie they were promoting was about and norm stops and he says you know, Conan, the more and more I learn about this Hitler guy, I'm really starting to not like him. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And that's why Norm is just amazing. He's, he was one of a kind, for sure. And yeah. I, I did not know he was a writer on Roseanne, the original series. Whoa, really? Yes. And wow. just listening to talk about the ex, you know, just the explosions that Roseanne Barb would have with like the production company and the writers were sure. epic. I love that you're into stand-up comedy and, and Ham and I have been watching some Netflix stand-up comedy. What what was the last guy that we watched? Oh. Um, Ga- Gaffinan? No. Steve Galligan. Oh gosh, he's a blonde guy with glasses, and he's just uh, kind of a pudgy oh, uh, looking guy. Jim Gaffigan. Yes. 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 Thank you for bringing that to <laughs> us. Uh, and he was hilarious. So, are you into any stand-up comedy right now? What, what's your go-to if you're if you're into a, for a good joke? Oh, that's a great question. And and I'm going to be honest, mine's a little bit of a hot take. Uh, it, it would be probably Dave Chappelle is oh, mine. Yeah. Right. Did you and see that last episode or that last stand-up that had all the controversy and heat around it? I did. I did. Yeah. And what was and your I, thoughts? for me, 
Yeah, that's, that's I, I'm interested. Good, it's a really good question. I, for me, when it comes to his stand up, it's exactly kind of what you said earlier. It's like I, I just hear him, like his voice, and I will just start laughing. Like it, <laughs> he doesn't even really need to say anything. It's just I think it's I've just laughed so much with him before. I just are immediately already in that frame of mind. Right. Yeah. Totally. There's I mean, just some people that you even look at or hear that just right. make you smile. So I could see yeah. him being one of those guys. Oh, and we were watching comedians in cars getting coffee. Have you seen that? Oh, yes, yes. Oh my God. It's so great to see Jerry Seinfeld talk to all those different comedians and like interview them. Yeah. And it's so funny. Chappelle was on there, wasn't he? Yeah. That was a good so, yeah. ton of people on. Like, yeah. oh, I really so enjoyed good. that episode with Chappelle because I like the episodes where they break down comedy like what works yeah. for them and what doesn't work for them that's and they did that with Chappelle and I found his inner workings mind very fascinating and Chris Rock too Chris Rock was especially so funny. and was Steve Martin yeah and Steve Martin wasn't Steve Martin the one that the car broke down there were so I many episodes was, where the car broke down. Um, <laughs> but I think it was also Chris Rock when they got pulled over by the police. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> because Jerry was going like 200 on the highway. Right. <laughs> and you're like, only Jerry could go this fast and like get pulled over and just walk away. And it would be fine. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to do it wah, wah, wah for, for that episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing that I miss a ton is going out to comedy clubs. I oh, yeah, It wasn't really anything that my family did growing up, but I just remember I was visiting my brother down in L.A., and I would always watch all of these comedians do their uh, stand-ups at the Laugh Factory. Oh, wow. And so for me, did you I get to like, go to the Laugh Factory? I did, yeah, a couple times, actually. Oh, wow, that's fun. That is awesome. And I've never been. It's, uh, it's, like, it's just such a great, rich place, and they have all the history on the wall and everyone that's been there and that's it, really cool. it, so you, yeah you get in there and the first thing that you will notice is they have a two drink minimum <laughs> <laughs> and so we uh we got in and we kind of splurged because it was our first time there so we got vip tickets and we got to go up to this special little area that also had a bar we probably had about three or four drinks by the time we left that bar and then we get to the stage area and they're like, hey, do you want to drink? And at that point, I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, I've, I've drank quite a bit. I'm okay. And she's like, oh, well, that, I'm sorry to inform you, but the minimum only counts for downstairs. Oh, no. Oh, no. So you haven't even hit the minimum yet. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I looked at my brother and I was like, game on. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to be falling off the stage in front of right. everyone. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember who you saw that night? Oh, yeah. So, um, a couple people that I love the most was Michael Rattaport. I don't know if that oh, rings yes, about. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, blonde guy was, with yes. like a, a crop top, and he was in uh, American History X. Ham. He was. Yep. Oh. He also yeah. did. Uh, he was in My Name's Earl for a little bit. If you remember that show, I do. And he also was a cop who dated Phoebe and Friends in the last season or so. Oh, does, yeah. Does, wow. that, does that trigger yes. it for you, Ham? Am, it are does. you getting there? That's right. Yeah. Oh man, I know who you're talking about. So you got to see yeah, him. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's just a total different type of vibe from yeah. like a Pacific Northwester uh, because he's a New Yorker. Right. Right. He yeah. reminds me of Dennis Leary. That's right. 
Ah, uh, good I actor. Loved Dennis Leary. <laughs> so you saw Michael Rappaport, and I bet he yep. was hilarious. He was amazing. Yep. And then it was kind of a blast from the past. Uh, Dane Cook was also there. <laughs> Dane Cook. Oh my God. Yeah, he was really popular for like a hot second in the early yeah. aughts, right? I mean, I, I was telling my brother, and we're, it was kind of mean, but we were. I was thinking about it as because I watched him in middle school, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what's crazy is. The Laugh Factory is at capacity, which is great, a couple hundred people, but he used to sell out Madison Square Garden. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Another hilarious thing about something like that is that when we lived in Canada, so we lived in Canada in this province, New Brunswick, um, and it's not like, it's not Ontario or BC, so it's right. not a place that gets a lot of you know, stuff like that coming through. And I remember when we lived there, there was going to be shows of Polly Shore. And I remember seeing oh, the ads for night. it and I was like, wow, <laughs> Polly Shore. That's like a huge blast. from the past. Yeah. Way yeah. Ahead, he has wow. fallen. My gosh. Right? Like, wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you I were mean, like making your own movies. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a blast from the past. Wow. Polly Shore. My gosh. Well, Jared, we, we love learning about your comedy, but one of the things about our Hamwag podcast is really talking about our passions. And so the, one of the questions I want to ask all of our friends who join us is, if we were going to bar trivia tonight and you saw the list of all the categories and you thought, oh my God, that's the category I know I'm going to nail, what category would that be? What would the topic be about? That's a good question. I would say there's kind of two ways I would go about it for me for just like a safe bet. Like if I'm going to be drinking a little bit of trivia night and I just want to tap in to hidden knowledge, yeah. probably the office trivia, I would say <laughs> um, I've seen that show. Oh gosh, probably 18 times through. Like I could tell you if you give me an episode, I could probably tell you what kind of tie Michael was wearing. So, so um, the, the U S version, not the British version. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So office trivia, if you're just going to phone it in. <laughs> and then I would say something a little more relevant for me, it would probably be chess. I've, I've spent a lot of time, especially through COVID to wow, learn chess. about chess. Um, so that would be a little bit more challenging. I think I'd probably have more fun with that one because it'd really have to <laughs> activate my brain, but Absolutely. yeah, probably. Chess. So chess, gosh, Ham, are you a big chess player? No. <laughs> I feel like my brain is too slow for chess. I've tried it a few times and I'm always like, I cannot keep wrap my head around which pieces move in which directions. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I tried a lot myself and, and always was crushed by my, my father. Um, I think he was someone who loved it so much that he never really gave me the chance to win. So within like five moves, he's like, okay, game. So I never really got to enjoy it. So what keeps that passion alive for you? Why do, why do you love chess so much? Well, yeah, I think that's definitely the first piece is you have to enjoy it. Helped me stay engaged with the game uh, was having just a coach really early on in my life. Because one of the, the oh, biggest things, cool. oh yeah, it was so much fun. And, and one of the biggest things they do is, you know, if you're sitting down with a much more experienced player, you're really not going to learn the most if you just play a game, right? Because what you really need to understand is why they're doing what they're doing. So a lot of times what you'll end up doing is puzzles to basically start to memorize positional situations is kind of the first step. So you mean like they would give you like a, a regular puzzle to put together, like a puzzle based on like chess and like positions of the characters? Right. So like as an example, they would basically set up a chess board that's already done like, let's say, 20 moves. 
And then my coach would say, okay, what I want you to do now is find checkmate. There's checkmate on the board for white. Try and find it. That would so, be so scary. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to do that. So that you know it's there, but then you have to find the right answer. Wow. Yeah. And really what that does for your brain, and this is the really cool part to me, is you do all these puzzles and then you play a game and you're staring at the board and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been here before. Like you, re- you- start recognizing where everything is and then you're like, oh, now I know how to win. Right. And then you have that like awesome moment of like, oh my gosh, they're losing. I could do that. (laughs) That's awesome. I've never thought about learning it that way of breaking it down as puzzles. That's really cool. So I I actually want to go back. You had a coach. Is this someone that was like a, that you hired that came to help you like a music coach or something like that? Uh, Pretty similar. So I had two pretty much throughout my like scholastic career, I would say. So the first one I had in early elementary school and middle school and, and I, I grew up homeschooled. And so we did a lot of our extracurriculars at like a charter school. Charter school was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it, it was kind of, it took out that like anxiety and personas of high school. And it was kind of like, oh, you're passionate and like that. Tell me about it. Like, that's super cool. Was one of your parents really into chess? Is that why they got you started out on it? Or did they just see that you liked it? And then that wound up being something that they kind of fostered? That's a, that's a really good question. So it's actually my older brother that kind of set the road for everything I would say. Because he, he discovered it at a pretty early age and was just like an instant phenomenon, pretty much. Um, he... Uh, I think it was in sixth sixth grade. He was uh, playing on the varsity high school team. Wow! Uh, Whoa! Totally advanced. And one of my favorite memories is he went to the state championship uh, in Portland at the convention center, and it was the high school uh, championship. And so, just briefly to kind of mention rating in terms of kind of determining where you fall in chess ranking, he was about I think fourteen, fifteen hundred. Um, but Whoa. at this high school <laughs> chess championship, uh, it was two middle schoolers playing each other, wow. which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. So he's basically this like young kid with a sea of high school students <laughs> right? <laughs> and just right. kicking butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and my brother is, uh, he has a great personality, but, um, he's pretty rough around the edges, I'll say. And so, especially in like a chess frame of mind, He's like very critical of why you would do certain things. And so I'm just picturing him talking to this like six foot two, 18 year old. And he's like, what? Because that just made you lose. <laughs> oh, that That's is so awesome. funny. <laughs> and um, do you still play with your brother today? Oh, yeah. He's probably the person I play with the most. I would say we probably play 20 to 30 games probably once a week. Wow. And you do it remotely because you guys aren't in the same city, are you? Yeah, he's actually right outside of Tokyo right now. Wow. So you're playing international games. And so, I, you know, I've seen on these movies where people are doing it in their head, right? They're like, move. Yeah, are you just to... like texting the square that you're moving something to them? <laughs> yeah. We, so we, uh, we play on chess.com, which is, in my opinion, one of the best places to do it. It's totally free. Um, and you can just connect with a board with each other and basically just kind of play from there. Yay for free stuff. I love that. So you do it virtually through a, like a web page. Right, right, exactly. Nice. That's cool. That is awesome. I love that you're chess. I think you're one of my first, our first friends that really are that in depth with chess. I've always known people who've played it a little bit here and there, but no one who's had a coach 
And so where do you, where's your ranking fall at, sir? So mine, I kind of have two different peaks, I would say. So when I was like still in school, uh, my parents actually footed a pretty big bill and we got a train with a Russian grandmaster. Oh, wow. That's uh, awesome. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Uh, it was really hard to understand what he was saying. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. But it was super cool. Yeah, it was, I mean, just such a like, phenomenal experience to think about. But And then I would say uh, The Queen's Gambit is a really great chess show on Netflix. And that kind of reinvigorated my passion for the game. And then especially with COVID, I was like, yeah, well, I might as well give it a shot. And basically since, I don't know, probably March of 2020, I've probably been back doing it a couple hours each day. I love it. And you just tickled both uh, him and I's brain because we love television shows. So The Queen Gambit, that that's on Netflix, right? It is. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think the awesome thing about that show is even if you don't know the first thing about chess, it's it's so beautifully written that you can still enjoy it from just a viewing perspective. Nice. I love it. And it, I love that it's set in the 50s, I believe. I love that style and that, that yeah. coloring that they do for those types of shows. Yeah, it, it talks about a lot of really intense things. And, and I don't know if they did this intentionally, but there was a famous chess player... I think in the late 1800s called Paul Morphy, who uh, had a really big problem with substance abuse. Um, But that really activated this strange part of his brain that made him like one of the best chess players of all time. And I kind of think of it as like Barry Bonds using steroids uh, in a way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a little bit different. And uh, he would apparently like dream and hallucinate chess, which then allowed him to just make, you know, naturally great moves. And so her story is very similar in that aspect where she has, you know, problems with substance abuse, but it really just kind of activates her chess game. That's crazy. That's really interesting. And I've always been fascinated about art and genius and substance abuse because they all kind of intermix with each other. Yeah. And they do this really cool thing in the show as a chess player that you do all the time, but they just really bring it to life, which is uh, visualizing a chessboard. So she, you know, is, I don't want to give too much of the show away, but she's laying in bed and is under the influence. And these clouds, like, started appearing above in her bedroom, and then they create a chessboard. And then you just watch her, like, play a game through this, like, made-up chessboard in, in her head. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I try to do <laughs> when I'm playing a game. <laughs> but it was just such a great visualization. That's cool. That is cool. And with that skill of puzzle building and, and visualization, how, how have you used that skill set elsewhere? I, I know you've had to. Like, how do you use that strategic thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. I think the biggest thing, biggest thing it does for me is it makes me slow down, I would say. So same thing in chess. You look at the board, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. I can just take this piece and my opponent's losing. But little did I know I blundered checkmate and I'm going to lose next turn. And so (laughs) you kind of have to take that moment to uh, like just buffer for a second, right? And review every piece and go, okay, can I get some sort of tactical advantage, positional advantage? And it's the same thing at work, right? It's not necessarily just making an immediate decision, but looking at all your options. I love that. I love that a lot. And man, just it's crazy to think that you're thinking about puzzles and that movement and in your brain and playing those games. It just, yeah, for me, I, I, I don't visualize it that way, but I, I can see the excitement. 
That's yeah, cool and, to and learn the, more about like how they teach people chess too, because I always look at it as something you play to get better at. And it makes so much more sense to think of like strategic moves and trying to get out of them and then learning from that instead of just being like, okay, I'm just going to push these pieces around and we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really funny. So my, the two biggest sports I would say that I've done the most is Brazilian jiu-jitsu and chess. And they're both very, very similar in training where you don't just go in and fight someone like in a mixed martial arts match. You will actually sit down and learn different submission techniques and things like that. And chess is the exact same way. You don't just go in and play somebody. You learn different tactics and positions and very, very similar, actually. That's cool. I really like the idea of that, the the martial art and the art of the body and the art of chess and the mind that you've kind of melded together in, in thinking of how training works. So if I asked you if there was one piece of factoid or trivia about chess that you'd want to share with us, what would that be? Yeah, so I, I read this online actually a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, of course, everything online is truthful. So of keep course, that in mind. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it said that uh, 85% of chess boards that are set up on movies and TV are actually set up incorrectly. Oh, even the setup of the chessboard, not even just the game, but the actual where the pieces start. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You think they have technical times- consultants for that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of movies and TV shows, it's probably just like a background prop where they just walk past it or something, but right. it, yeah, totally. they just set it up quickly and probably just walk away from it, I would assume. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is so funny. And one of the first movies I've ever remember seeing chess in is James Bond's from, from Russia with Love. Uh, because they had that big chess board at the very beginning and the evil guy was making a move and they were had these like guys in outfits uh, with, I don't know, little forks. It looks like moving chess pieces around on this big board. And I thought, man, that looked really cool. But yeah. Now I'm, I, I want to go back and look at it to see if those uh, pieces were actually in the right, right. spot now. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you two things to look for that I will say is the most common. So the uh, the position of the king and queen is yeah. usually incorrect. Uh, and the best way to think about it that is the lady always gets her color. So, you know, white queen goes on the white square, oh. black queen goes on the black square. But I then love that you shared that with us. We both learned something, didn't we? Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, and then the, the other big thing is actually, and this is only if the board is notated. So like there's, you know, different square spaces. So you have like A1, B2, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, white gets the, the first basically set of numbers so their rook will be on a one and then the black pieces their rook will be on uh h8 basically is the best way to think about it interesting in that bomb movie it is numbered so i'm gonna have to take a look at that because they were, were saying now. all the names gosh james bond we will have to watch it i was just watching one the other day um with roger moore and i know that's one of your favorite bonds yes definitely but that was not the best movie with him. I don't it think. was his last one. That's true. We watched that one the other day. <laughs> Where he's like, I want to do as little possible <laughs> as I possibly can and make a ton of money so that I don't have to ever do this again. <laughs> absolutely. Jared, are you a Bond fan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the first movie that I watched repeatedly as a kid. It was probably that in the Sandlot, I would say, were yeah. my two biggest ones. Which which Bond were you were you watching over and over? 
So for me, it actually has a pretty big connection to the video games that I played at the time, which was a Nintendo 64. Uh, and so I played day and night uh, Goldeneye. And oh so that God. one is yes. uh, Pierce Brosnan. Absolutely. Goldeneye was huge. That game like sparked that movie. And that movie was awesome. But I, it's funny that the three of us all have a different idea of who's the best James Bond. Well, I don't know if I think mine is the best. It's just my childhood one. True. Right. True. Yeah. 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 That's a good it's point. Like Roger Moore is the one that I felt like I grew up with. Oh, man. I think that um, my parents were like disappointed probably that it wasn't Sean Connery. <laughs> right. But They're like, you know, you have other options, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but no, I don't. These are the ones I was like a kid and saw in the theater. So, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm smelling a mini series here, I think, on the Hamwig podcast. I think we have an opportunity to, to discover who might be the best James Bond. Yes. I think oh, that's a good idea. Absolutely. Jared, I think you would be a perfect person to go on that journey with us. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. Awesome. So being the scientific brain that Ham is, we're going to come up with the five points that we should be exploring <laughs> on each James Bond movie. And then maybe we'll get together, we'll pick a movie, we'll watch it, and then we'll review it for those five points. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, do like a little stack ranking. That's awesome. I love it. So for, you know, those few loyal listeners out there you've got something to look forward to a new mini series based on jib's james bond and reviewing trying to find that perfect bond i love it yeah sounds fun awesome well it sounds like we're getting close to the end of our time with jared jared thank you so much for being with us here today yeah yeah this was so much fun i'm, I'm so glad i got a chance to talk to you both i hope you'll be able to come back and play with us soon yeah definitely please awesome. thanks so much jared you're amazing, yeah, you sir. Have a great day. All right, you Back as well. You we're, too. We're going to go ahead and play us out. <laughs>